0: This is Radio Boston. I'm Walter Wuthman, in for TC on a Deering. We're just four days out from Super Tuesday, and here in Massachusetts, things could get pretty interesting. Even if the winners of the presidential primaries seem preordained, infighting over policy and strategy should give us plenty to watch for on the Democratic side, and especially on the Republican side. Here to tell us more is WBR political correspondent Anthony Brooks. Anthony, welcome back to Radio Boston. Hey, Walt. Great to be with you. So let's start on the Republican side, where former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is trying to catch up to former President Donald Trump. What's at stake for her here in Massachusetts?
1: Well, Massachusetts is one of 15 states voting on Super Tuesday. And for Nikki Haley, Super Tuesday really represents her last stand to take on Trump. That said, you know, since the New Hampshire primary, there's really not been any doubt that Trump is going to win the nomination, but haley's had plenty of money to keep fighting and as she's pointed out there are plenty of republican voters and and uh, republican leaning independents who have doubts about trump so she's been offering them an alternative can she win no But she can at least present herself as a viable alternative to Trump. And as long as she has the money and as long as Trump hasn't amassed the needed number of delegates, and that's key here, to secure the nomination, she can keep going. And so she has said she will stay in the race at
0: least through Super Tuesday. And so here we are. Even if she doesn't outright win here, there is a possibility she could pick up delegates in Massachusetts. Is that that's right?
1: Right. Uh, So if Trump is kept under 50% of the popular vote, then the delegates get awarded proportionally. Um, That happened in New Hampshire, for example. Uh, Haley actually picked up, uh, I believe, seven delegates. Trump got 11 delegates. But the count today still favors Trump. Right now, he has a little over 100 delegates. Uh, That means he has a ways to go because you need 1,215 delegates. So Trump has a ways to go still.
0: Yeah. And so as you said, Haley has stayed competitive, but she's kind of running out of time to make the delegate math start working in her favor. What are her odds across the country on Super Tuesday?
1: Well, I mean, it's probably easier to talk about Trump's odds. As we mentioned, Mm. you know, he needs 1,215 delegates to secure the nomination. Right now, he's got a little over 100 But more than 1,000 delegates are at stake on Super Tuesday. So if he sweeps those states, he could get very close. Um, And in a memo this month, the Trump campaign predicted that it would lock in the nomination by March 12th. Worst case scenario, no later than March 19th. So it all depends on how the math works with the delegate count. But there's no doubt that he will get there soon, probably not on Super Tuesday, but soon thereafter. What is
0: the Haley campaign's financial situation right now?
1: Well, money has not been a problem for her. Uh, I mean, last month, Haley brought in $16.5 million, keeping pace with Trump, you know and 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 by the way, Trump is spending a lot of his money on legal costs. Um, so in that sense, Haley has sort of this short term advantage. That said, one of her big financial backers, the political network backed by the Koch brothers, stopped supporting her. So that's an indication that they believe she can't win. But it really isn't about the money so much at this point. It's just about the math around around the delegates. And obviously, that favors uh, Donald Trump in a very big way.
0: Mm. So of the 15 states that are voting Tuesday, do you think Massachusetts is particularly friendly to Haley or Trump? Well,
1: I sort of think of Massachusetts a little bit like New Hampshire. It might be more hospitable to a candidate who is regarded as more moderate than Trump, someone like Haley. I mean, we should point out that Haley is pretty conservative on a lot of views uh, but compared to Trump, um, you know, she's she's garnering the support of, of more moderate voters. Also consider that Trump is deeply unpopular in this state. In the last two general elections, he lost Massachusetts to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden uh, by two to one margins. And even if he wins in Massachusetts, Haley could still do well enough to win delegates, as we mentioned, mm. if, if Donald Trump is kept to under 50 percent of the popular vote.
0: That's Yeah, that's the key benchmark. Um, Anthony, I know you've talked to a lot of people around the Haley campaign, specifically in Massachusetts. What are they saying ahead of Super Tuesday?
1: Well, I spoke to Jennifer Nasur, who's chairing the Haley campaign in Massachusetts. Um, she's the former chair of the state GOP and very much an old-style, moderate Massachusetts Republican who embraced people like former Governor Charlie Baker. And while it's clear that Trump will win the GOP nomination, Nasur says not so fast, He still has to get those 1,215 delegates, and he shouldn't be automatically anointed as the GOP nominee, and that Massachusetts voters, uh, and Massachusetts Republican voters in particular, should have a say in what happens. So here's a bit of what she told me.
0: This isn't Trump's party. This is the Republican Party of Massachusetts. And we don't anoint kings. We don't have coronations here. And so why just say that Trump is the presumptive nominee? He's not. She's right, he's not, but he appears to be well on his way. And what about Trump supporters? What are they saying about uh, Tuesday here in Massachusetts?
1: Well, they point out that Haley has now lost five nomination contests in a row to Trump, including Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and Michigan. And according to a recent Suffolk University poll among likely Republican primary voters in Massachusetts, Trump has a substantial lead, 17 points. So here's former Bristol County Sheriff Tom Hodgson. He, he chairs the Trump campaign in Massachusetts.
0: He has a proven record from his first term in office. And
1: we all know that our country is in dire straits with regards to everything from the economy to millions pouring in over our border. And the American people can see through this. So Hodgson is feeling pretty good about Republican support for Donald Trump in Massachusetts. And we should point out that among Republicans... Trump does very well. More than a million folks uh, voted for Trump in 2016 and again in 2020 across Massachusetts. So while Massachusetts is considered a blue state, there's still a sizable number of voters who support the former president.
0: And Haley would have to peel some of them away if she wants to do well here Tuesday. She's actually going to be in the state over the weekend. She's having a rally at the Sheraton in Needham tomorrow night. What do you read into that?
1: Well, only that this is one of the Super Tuesday states and it's a state where she might have a chance to at least ding Trump. You know, she'll be also be in Vermont. She'll be in Maine over the weekend. So she's determined
0: to fight this out as long as she can. So that's the top of the ticket. But there's actually this really interesting um, subplot kind of going on down ballot for control of the state Republican committee. Uh, I've been excited to talk to you about this. And so just you know, give us the context. Tell us a little more about that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, even if it gets us into the weeds of state Republican Party politics, it comes at an interesting time. So so basically, here's the situation. The state committee, it's a group of, of about of, of 80 Republicans who are responsible for picking the party's leaders. They oversee the finances. And in general, they dictate what kind of Republican Party Massachusetts is, is going to have. All 80 seats are up for grabs and about 35 of the committee's current members are not seeking reelection. So this is really about what direction the state GOP will take. And it comes following a kind of amidst a real serious debate within the GOP about what kind of Republican Party it wants to be.
0: And this down ballot race sort of mirrors the dynamics at the top, right? The, The moderate versus MAGA, Haley versus Trump.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, Charlie Baker, a moderate Republican, hugely popular across the state. He was at odds with the party's former chair, Jim Lyons, a hardline pro-Trump Republican, with a pretty troubled record leading the party. I mean, under Lyons, the party was virtually bankrupt. It wasn't winning any races. Uh, Democrats have super majorities on Beacon Hill. It was under investigation because of its finances by the state attorney general. But then Lyons lost the chairmanship to Amy Carnevale, who has made some progress turning things around in the state GOP. She's raised close to $800,000, paid down some debt. She's recruited at least a couple of candidates who have won, including state Senator Peter Durant. So Carnevale has made progress, but now she's facing a challenge from a group called the Freedom Slate that's trying to get uh, anti carnivale votes on the committee so as to force an election uh, for party chair and vote her out, so that's part of the intrigue. That's part of what's at stake on Tuesday.
0: So, so if the Freedom Slate candidates get enough of those eighty seats on Tuesday, they could vote her out and end this, you know, kind of arguable era of progress. This one year of progress she's been able to achieve.
1: Yeah, it's 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 true, and it 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 does seem strange because. <laughs> the Republican Party was really in the wilderness under Jim Lyons, as I mentioned, not winning, bankrupt, uh, inconsequential practically in the state of Massachusetts. And, you know, any government is going to be aided by a vital two-party system. And it does seem like Amy Carnevale has made progress bringing the uh, GOP back into some kind of relevance in the state. So, It's a curious moment um, where, you know, Jim Lyons was rejected. Amy Carnavale comes in and now Amy Carnavale is facing a challenge uh, again uh, from from the very people who were voted out.
0: So that's another thing to watch for. And I think that's going to be really interesting. But let's um, let's talk Democrats before I let you go. Um, President Biden has two challengers in self-help guru Marianne Williamson and Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, although his campaign is essentially kind of running in name only at this point. So the big challenge for him in this week's Michigan primary, though, wasn't either of them. It was a campaign to get people to vote uncommitted. Um, Tell us about that. Right. In Michigan, a push to encourage voters to send President
1: Biden a message about his refusal to call for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza Gaza, uh, probably worked. I mean, the group listened to Michigan, asked voters to vote uncommitted statewide, just over 13% of voters did. Biden still won Michigan easily, but the uncommitted vote pointed to a fracture in the Democratic coalition that he needs to win in November.
0: How big an issue is this for him with Democratic primary voters?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because Biden needs this coalition to stay together. I mean, of of younger voters, of progressive Democrats, of moderate Democrats, if that coalition doesn't stay together, he's in trouble in November. Now, I think it's a mistake to read too much into these numbers nine months before the election. A lot can happen between now and November. That said, we have every reason to believe that the election is going to be close. And for Biden to win, he has to hold that uh, coalition together. So Losing Arab voters in Michigan over his approach to the war in Gaza, losing the support of younger voters elsewhere is not going to help him.
0: And an important person in that coalition, an important leader, is our own Massachusetts Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley, who, as I understand it, gave a pretty emotional speech in the Capitol yesterday that you (coughs) you covered.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, Senator Elizabeth Warren also spoke on the Senate floor about her concern about the war in Gaza. And as you mentioned, Pressley joined fellow progressives from the House uh, in Washington to demand an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. And she condemned Israel's pending invasion of Rafah, where more than a million Palestinians are huddled with dwindling supplies of food, shelter, and water. And she became pretty distraught as she talked of the more than 30,000 Palestinians, many of them children, killed in the war so far. Here's a bit of what she said. We cannot look away. Think of these babies who were sleeping in cribs, wearing diapers or running for their lives when they were struck by a missile or shot by a sniper. What has happened to our humanity? So quite an emotional moment there. Mm. And, And Presley specifically called out the Biden administration. From Massachusetts to Michigan and all the way to the Middle East, our destinies are tied and our shared humanity is on the line. Voters are not happy with the United States handling of the war in Gaza, and President Biden must change course. Now, Walt, it's important to point out that Israel's pursuing Hamas after the group's deadly October 7th attack killed some 1,200 Israelis. But Presley says many Democrats are unhappy and wants Biden to call for a
0: ceasefire. She said, from Massachusetts to Michigan to the Middle East, um, are you hearing anything about a similar protest campaign here in Massachusetts to vote for some someone or something other than Biden?
1: Yeah, there is a movement to urge Democrats to vote no preference as a protest over the war in, in Gaza. Now, Biden is expected to win handily in Massachusetts, so it will be interesting to see, you know, but it's going to be interesting to see how how big that protest vote is.
0: Um, We're a few days away. We're both going to be out covering Super Tuesday in a few days. What are you watching for over the weekend um, and as we approach Election Day?
1: Well, I mean, I think that protest vote is going to be really interesting to see because, again, I mean, I caution everyone to, you know, we're nine months out from the election. So you can look at polls and uh, really make conclusions and think of them as predictive. But a lot can happen between now uh, and November, nine months away. But, uh, you know, to come back to this theme of what Biden needs to do to win, he needs to hold that coalition together. And uh, so I think one of the things that will be interesting to see on Tuesday is just how big that protest vote um, against his policies uh, in in Israel and Gaza are.
0: Well, Anthony, thank you for your reporting. Thank you for your analysis. That's WBUR political. You are the political correspondent for WBUR, (laughs) Anthony Brooks. I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Hey, it's been a pleasure, Walt. Um, uh, Thanks for having me.